Welcome to So You Think Your Car Is Fast, where we dive into the world of high-end, fast cars and explore what it truly means to have a fast car. From the latest in supercar technology to the mechanics that make these machines go, we'll separate fact from fiction and uncover the misconceptions about speed and power that exist in the minds of the general public. Join us as we put the pedal to the metal and discover what it takes to have a car that truly lives up to the title of fast. Hey, you know what I was going to tell you guys? It, my train of thought moves quickly. I'm not I'm not saying I'm brilliant. I'm just saying I can go. Somebody can say something and then I'm off in left field through a, a quick deal. But I did that track day. Uh, we talked about that on a couple episodes ago. I did that track day out at Eagles Canyon mm-hmm. with, with, uh, the, with uh, the GT3. GT3? Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and my dad had his car and my son had his. Uh, had a blast. Had a blast. Uh, makes me feel like I want to learn to turn better also. So the last week or so, I've had my my wheels turning. Oh, and boy. bless my wife's heart. I couldn't decide what I, what I want to do. Should I track a GT3? Probably not because it would suck if I wrecked it and uh, it's probably way too much car for me. But then I knew I probably couldn't get my wife to sign off on letting me buy another car. Uh Uh-oh. So so I've been talking to Steve, and Steve has a, a, a customer who's casually selling a spec Boxster. Mm. So I thought I'd float the idea, you know, to my wife last night, and I didn't get a no. <laughs> she didn't say yes, but the fact she is didn't, she, didn't she didn't say, say no. Here's, here's, here's the problem, though, is I think if I do that, uh, I'm probably going to have to buy her another fun zip around car. That's the trade-off, isn't it? That's the trade-off. So would you would you um, get a paddock space at the track for it? Well, if I did the spec boxer, yeah, because I, I don't really have any more garage space at home. Um, the problem is, is that I, I park my truck in my garage and I really only have one spot that the truck will fit, I think. Wow. Otherwise, if I didn't, I could get creative and maybe buy another car lift and stack two cars, which I need to take some measurements this weekend because i may be able to do that still if- what you could do yeah get the lift get the spec boxster and then buy your wife a car and then you can park your truck outside well yeah i could park my truck outside that's true but i man you know on cold days or when it's hailing oh it's those cold are two days that i so cold i like it inside the garage but but does it have a seat warmer and a steering wheel warmer too my truck yeah yeah. Oh god. You know, I've found that when I leave at 7 a.m. it's too cold, but by 8, 8 15, it's warmed up enough. <laughs> well, sometimes I leave earlier than that. Dan, are you even up at 8 15? Uh, hopefully not. Me? <laughs> Dan. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna say the last two days I've gotten up at about 4 30. Oh wow. The last two days I've still been up when you got up. Yeah. Yeah, but so, as you yeah, can see my... from my network operations center sign behind me, so a lot of my work happens during those hours. So I'm I'm probably jumping the gun on the whole track thing anyway. It's just my you know most recent shiny object that I've been attracted to. I didn't Although... say anything because I thought, well, he's gonna he's gonna just you're gonna drag yourself over the coals thinking about it. Yeah, I I do that, and I'm and I'm I I've. I think I've thought out enough and kind of have some possible solutions that I should probably step back and take a break from it. But what's crazy, the whole time I was at, at Eagles Canyon thinking and talking to him about what membership costs and even renting a pat, like if I if I monthly rent a garage or a paddock out there, which which makes sense if I have a track only car. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a boat that I keep at the lake and pay slip fees 
that my family does not use. I tried so hard to get oh. my family to be a boat family. It's a trade-off. So I could, and here's the crazy thing. Oh, is you could sell the boat? I could sell yeah. my boat and stop paying storage fees. Like, because my boat's on a, like on a lift in a slip at the lake. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't even know that, you had a boat. Yeah, well, so, I mean, a lot of people don't because I don't. I have no idea either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up, I loved going to, to the lake as a kid. I mean, we, uh, we were at the lake a lot and I, I loved it, but my family is not, they, they just don't like it that much. So I probably the last three years I've debated selling the boat. So if I do do that, I could, I could, uh, I could sell my boat and stop paying those slip fees and cover my membership and almost a spec boxer. Well, it sounds like a no brainer to me, Taylor. Sounds I know, like I know. Boat. But the thing is, is like, you know, I got to learn how to drive a little bit first. Got to get yeah. certified so I can be in a car by myself on the track. No better car to learn than in that Miata or that Miata, that Boxster. Yeah. Well, Miatas are good. Miatas are good for that, too. Yeah. Miatas are good because you can just put your foot on the floor and go around the whole track and you really can't Never get in much trouble. <laughs> no, but you learn how to turn in them. I'll tell you, man, it was it was impressive. I had my instructor, I let him take the GT3 out during one of the members laps and he he romped on it. I mean, he he drove the GT3 aggressively. I'm not saying 10 tenths, but 7 tenths, 8 tenths, and there were dudes in Miatas that were hanging with us cuz they mean, don't have was, to lift. It was uh the, and I guess that's what that's what my instructor told me, and even Steve told me too. Is the the GT three? It's just fast enough that you can make up for a lot of errors on the straightaways, and then you don't learn as well as you could. But I don't want to get rid of the GT three either, though. So I don't know. <laughs> I just want I want it all. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, Man, that is. Don't we all? Yeah. I'm just I being honest. Just being honest. Yeah, I have the same problem as you, Taylor. I have. All my garage spots are full, and I have cars that sit outside sometimes. Well, and I guess your problem is a couple of those cars are SUVs. You could stack the Porsches. Yeah, the thought had crossed my mm -hmm. mind. That would give me another another spot, but then I'm gonna want to put something in it, you know? Like, so I'm I'm like, ah, should I spend five six thousand dollars on a lift and then then have an empty spot staring me in the face? Because then I'm gonna buy something. And I mean, uh, I I thought it was a great idea. I always wanted an RX seven. Yeah. I think if I want to get a second little you know, play car weekend. I think it'd be an R8. Maybe just a simple twin turbo build. Oh, an R8. Oh, <laughs> I guess I was, rotary was on my mind. When Dan oh. said R RX7 and you yeah. said R8, I heard RX8. And I was like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Nope. But I still, the biggest disappointment of a car ever. Is what? The RX-8, the Mazda oh, yeah. RX-8, where they're like, guys, Mazda says, we're bringing back the, uh, you know, a version of the RX-7. Everybody's getting excited. And they're like, and the car's ugly, and it's slow, and it blows up. Ooh. Well, I mean, that, just, I mean, that's like a, that that's what rotaries do. You I know? know, but at <laughs> least when an RX-7 ran, it ran, it was fun to drive and could be fast. The RX-8s are just like the the worst idea from several car types and melded into just garbage. Not I mean, a fan, they're, huh? they're like, they're they almost people almost pay you to take them from them. If you find them for sale. Well, you know, they, they did that like partial door thing for the back. So the yes. thing looks all goofy and yeah. the engine, they were like, Oh, you know, we won't turbocharge it. 
yeah, that that won a lot of awards. That decision. Yeah, <laughs> but the R eights are. I mean, they are cool. They really are. Yeah, they're not cheap. Problem is, if I got an R eight, I'd never get to drive it because my wife would steal it from me. That's well, probably true too. My problem is, I need a garage. I need to finish that first. <laughs> You're going to build a garage. Yeah, I need to build the garage. I need to pour the slab first. I just need to get on that. I just have. You had a garage. I had a garage, but it was only two cars, so. We don't like two car garages. We want, mm, I think it's going to be an eight car garage. There so you, go. But you converted you go. your garage into part of the house, right? Yeah. Yeah. Living it's, quarters. Uh, it's living, living quarters. So, but yeah, that, was, that would probably be, unless it, it's either an R8 or a stock GT3. <laughs> that would be fun. I want a 997 GT3. You know, a couple of years ago, you could get them for 80,000. Now they're 120. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody could buy cars like ours for less than two hundred. I, I got a DM the other day saying, "Hey, what what's your number?" You like my I, phone number? I said my favorite you like number five. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "What's your what's your you know if you want to sell?" You know, I'm like, I don't know. I, I think I said two thirty or something somewhere around there. You know, I said, you know, I, I don't need to sell it, so you're gonna have to give me a lot of money. <laughs> he left you on red after that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> He was from uh, he was from a Middle Eastern country. Mm. Mm. Well, those guys are are known to to pay good money for cars. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't think I'd sell mine. I don't I don't think there's a number that would make me sell. I mean, if you're if you're realistic about it, I don't. It's still it's still all too new for me and working out the kinks that I wouldn't. I, wouldn't I got a text from uh, one of the uh, techs over at Driver Source where my car and uh dan's car is sitting he sent me a text and he sent me a photo of um of the the two cars sitting together and he says hey some guy in a blue camo is gonna pay big money so these two cars don't make it to the next race he told you huh <laughs> jerk busted i mean we we're not the same me? class anyway do, do we have the photo we do here i will show you the photo so here we are sitting so dan's car is on the right Red 997. Mine's on the left. Red 997 GT3. Just sitting there without engines or transmissions. Hey, guess who's calling me right now? Wayne. Mr. Ott. Oh, Steve. Oh, put oh. him on speaker. <laughs> oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Should I? <laughs> I'll warn him first. Oh, I missed the call. I'll don't call, call him back. back. It'll be fun. Should I? Why not? Say, hey, you want to be a guest? Ooh, it sounds serious, Dan. Steve's always serious. All right. He sounds like happy Steve, though. It, yeah, he doesn't sound like an angry Steve at the moment. <laughs> I can't I can't hear what he's saying, but yeah. yeah. I've got i it's funny. I I'm sitting here with Todd and Dan, our podcast. Someday we're gonna have you on as a guest. How do you feel about that? <laughs> do I have to be honest? He says. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll I'll talk to Todd. <laughs> we won't right, try cool. to push him to a safer location i want to hear the safer location story oh when oh his racing stories are the best steve Ott drove over a gt3 in his gtr at a race in, in florida he said his uh his guest fees are pretty high Ooh. oh so i yeah, told him todd would cover that that sounds that sounds like steve <laughs> but yeah steve is uh he's he's pretty sweet he's pretty serious he's always serious he's great uh what did he say anything good he talked to wayne wayne is gonna <clears throat> work uh he said shifting's pretty good on it but they're going to take the power level that I'm sitting at right now and, and do a couple experiments and just make sure that we've got everything done. And then he's going to work on uh, launch control and something else. And I can't remember. Can we discuss uh, Steve driving over a GT3 in his GTR right now? Yeah. Let's let's. <laughs> I, I think I think Jared's stuff from uh, that car that he was tuning 
I think uh-huh. motivated some uh, some juice on on the launch control. Oh, here, okay, I real quick. They, I think they got yeah. Steve's attention yeah. too. Look, look at this. Look at this. Steve's coming. I think this was um, a World Challenge race in Florida or somewhere, and uh, Steve is coming around um, a turn, going going to the right. A GT3 stops in front of him. Get out of my way. <laughs> That's Steve in the red GTR. <laughs> Unfortunately, the video kind of looks like it was filmed with a potato. Yeah. Yeah. Can you do, can you like circle anything or highlight it? Like as he's coming around, you know, all right, let's see. So he's he, style. Steve's in the, in the red GTR. Hey, right, right there. there. And then, oh. yeah, that's Ot really the victim in this. Yeah. The guy driving over the other guy <laughs> the is not what the guy in the white GT three said. No, I mean, the he victim. Must have a really good look at the underside of that GTR. Like you'd have to be sitting there in your driver's seat of your 911 watching this happen, thinking I shouldn't be seeing that part of that. Did I, do I see the underside of a GTR going over my windscreen right now? That's a that's kind of a underbuilt drive shaft in that thing, you know. <laughs> what you're thinking? <laughs> Talk about true four by four, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought Steve liked Porsches. Why did he do that? He had zero respect for that one. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> That's what happens when you work on them so much. You're like, ah, whatever. Sometimes you just have to drive straight, man. Right. That's right. Tired of turning. You know, that that also made me think of something. When I was a kid, um, my mom, well, I guess when my mom was a kid, my mom was a hairdresser. Like, that's how she got her schooling. And and she, her and my dad owned a salon when I was born. Uh, the, The guy that taught the hair school, super nice guy, super into cars like hardcore into cars. And he, and my mom said he was always into like Porsches and Corvettes and he'd race and stuff. Well, when I was 16, we took a trip over there and we went over to his house and he had one of the first 1995 Ford Mustang Cobra R's. Okay. And they were the, it was the year that they only made that, that Cobra R in white. And it was basically a stripped down car ready to race. And I think my details might be fuzzy or he may have exaggerated, but he told me that, the first, the it was the number three car off the assembly line, and that Ford kept the first one and two. In fact, he was offered whatever. I don't know what circuit he raced in. I don't know. He was amateur, but even GM when the C5 first came out offered him a C5 to race, and he's like, no, no, no. I love this Cobra R. Wow. Well, he he let me drive it as a 16 year old. Now today it's nothing, right? Like that's not that big of a deal, but as a 16 year old, that was an awesome car. And, uh, it, it was, it was cool that he let me drive it. But one thing he told me, he said, as a, as a race car driver, he didn't do any of the work on his cars. And he said, he goes, he, t- he talked to a lot of people out there and a lot of guys did like they'd work on their car and they'd race their car. And he said, it put him in a position where he would drive his car way harder than the guy that built his own because, he just let somebody else fix it. And, you know, that guy that's beaten on the car that he just built, he's got to do it again. And I, I th- I've always, that, that's always stuck with me is, um, you know, the attitude of, well, if it breaks, we'll have Steve Ott fix it. <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's why that never lift. That's, uh, I think we're spoiled. We, we do have it. Oh, for sure. We do have it pretty good with Steve-O. And I, and I hope he realizes that we're, we're not trying to abuse him. <laughs> I mean, on purpose. 
Yeah. Yeah, my GT3 needs an oil change, and I want to take it to Steve, but it's a four-hour drive. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a ways to go for that. I'm sure he's not going to be too beat up about that. I mean, you can get what you can take it to RAC. Is, is um is that roof uh, dealer still around in Dallas? Yeah, they're they're here. Yeah, RAC okay. Performance. Okay. I'm sure is there Hans... was a trademark thing that they had to change their name. Is Hans still running it? Hans Hoffman. Yeah, he's always been super nice to me. Perfect and it's, you know, I, I get it because I've run shops before where, you know, the customer that comes in for answers all the time and never buys anything. That's not always the best person to deal with. But Hans has always been super nice to me. But I for for basic stuff, I like John over at uh, Porsche Plano. Yeah, they want like six hundred and fifty dollars for an oil change. I just had the GT3 in there. I did uh, the track inspection, an oil change. And I had them do a brake fluid flush with the SRF brake fluid, which isn't cheap. And I'm sure buying that fluid at the Porsche dealer is more expensive than buying it off of Amazon. It was like 700 for all that. I guess I didn't ask how much the brake fluid flush was going to be. You know what I'm thinking about? Texas 2K rules this year are requiring belly pans. Yeah. For every car. For yeah, every and car. no coolant. And, and you can't run coolant. You have to run water. Can't run water wetter. Um... You can't run water. You can't it's even like, run. You can't water. run oil. They're not letting you run oil this time either. <laughs> you, <laughs> you better do that. What what was that uh, old as seen on TV stuff? Slick fifty. Yeah, yeah. Slick, you got to run we slick put fifty. And drained it out and still ran the car for fifty thousand miles. Well, here's the problem. I don't have a belly pan. So I've spoken with Aim Performance in New Jersey. And those boys are promising me a belly pan before 2K. I said, is it going to be before 2K? Am I going to be installing this in the paddock? <laughs> so we'll see. They'll be there. They'll install it for you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we'll bring it and install it. Oh, thanks, boys. Because look, without What's this it. Charge right here? That's the travel fee. Yeah. Uh. Without it, I can't participate. I can't pass tech. None of the Porsche I mean, can. None of the cars can. I mean, shipping a belly pan would be expensive, so yeah, you're probably better be off having them build, having them bring it. If it's a true bolt-on and and they can use existing bolt holes, sure, I guess no problem, right? Steve's not well, going to be mean, happy about it, that. If it fits one of the cars in their in their shop, it'll fit yours. You think there's any differences between a a nine nine seven turbo? Well, I'm sure there's a difference between a nine nine seven turbo and my car because of the narrow body, right? Well, a turbo, but I mean, I don't know that the I don't know that there's any spacing different underneath the car. And where are they going to attach it? Good question. I've probably to like the the under tray bolts, right? Like take one of the under tray pieces off, and which are the same. Well, I guess we can look at the part numbers and tell. <laughs> that's a good question i don't know i spoke to dave briggs and we were talking about it because he needs one too and he's like yeah they're they're working on it and i'm like okay i mean you know those aim guys they'll get it done it will i could just see him showing up oh yeah hey we forgot yours too bad you can't participate <laughs> yeah they will they will say that too <laughs> so taylor yo do you have any idea um if you can run 50 psi safely yes i don't know Depends on who you talk to, I guess. It's it's just a number, man. It's yeah, and that's that's the thing too is, and I'm not, I guess, I'm not as up to the details as like Dan is, but PSI is not what people think it is. Like you, you know what I mean? Like you can't say you you can't com people do people do all the time, but you can't really get an accurate comparison. Like if you say this car over here runs 15 pounds of boost and this one runs 17 pounds of boost like it's just it's psi pounds per square inch is a resistance measurement 
it's not an airflow me measurement. Well, sure. From car to car, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's whatever, but in the Porsche world, it's, it's relative, right? Well, you're, I mean, the problem is those that people think about boost as like a measurement of either power or airflow. And it's, it's not that. Yeah, so your engine is an air pump. And so if you're comparing your engine to your own engine and you talk about X versus Y amount of boost, that is meaningful. But, you know, so if you have a four liter engine running 30 pounds of boost and you, ha uh, and you have a eight liter engine running half of that amount of boost, pretty much the same. But what ends up happening is you have... You know, different intake manifolds, different exhaust manifolds, different, different turbochargers, yeah. different, you know, turbine wheels, different turbine housings, all sorts of different things. So really, the only thing you can say about, you know, the amount of boost, I wouldn't say that it's a, a, a resistance, although, yeah, I get where you're coming from with that. Uh, but it is it is the, you know, the pressure of the air awaiting to enter the engine. And so. You know, just because you're running, you know, 50 pounds or 60 pounds or even 70 pounds of boost, that doesn't really tell you what's going on. What what matters is the cylinder pressure, which ultimately is what's generating torque, right? So at 40 pounds of boost, you're going to make, you know, a lot of cylinder pressure, a lot of torque. At 50 pounds of boost in your engine, you're going to make more cylinder pressure, what, more torque. What always helped me kind of understand that is that if you have if if everything's the same and you you change turbos, you can make more power with less with less boost depending on how you size your turbos, right Dan? Yeah, sure. Yeah, all day. Because if if you have a a larger turbo and you effectively have this air pump that we're talking about, uh it moves you know, more air. Even though it's still a 4 liter air pump, it's more efficient. Uh you hear people talk about volumetric efficiency and nobody really in the car world really actually understands what that means. V. Uh, and, and that's exactly what it means. It means that it can more efficiently fill and, and, and then empty that four liter volume. And of course that, that efficiency varies based on RPM. It's high, it's harder to keep a high efficiency number at high RPM because you have less time to fill that, uh, that volume and you have less time to, you know, to empty that volume so if you have a you know all things being equal you have a larger uh turbine and a larger compressor you know you're you're more efficient and so your your compressor wheel is heating the air going into it less and it's more free flowing on the way out so you might make more power uh, on less boost as, as a result of it uh but you know it, it gets difficult because there's you know the whole thing is is a sum of of the parts and and the system and if you you know if you plug any one part of the system the rest of it doesn't work right right so usually what it, we're it doesn't it doesn't mean nothing it's just not an absolute measurement there's there's more things involved but yeah and, and the original question ways to quantify it we have to like logically deduce based on the data that we do have what's going on and that and usually it's difficult to pinpoint one particular one particular thing yeah but, but but to the question of can i run 50 i don't know yeah all day all i day. mean i th these are limits that i haven't experienced with other cars right like normally uh when i first started modifying cars if you had a turbocharged car you had to be careful that that if you crank the turbo up 
you either didn't have enough fuel or maybe you'd find the weak spot of the engine or something like that. But at this point, like we're running the turbos out, you know, like, like the engine's built and it, it handles it. And it's just how much the turbo can do. I mean, you can overspin them or, you know, they, they start creating more heat and then they're basically cannibalizing the, the power they're making. So I, mean, I don't know. We'll see. You should have enough fuel for 2000 horsepower on ethanol. Oh yeah, my, I mean my fuel my fuel system's pretty good, and I think my turbos should support more than I can do. There's some kind of efficiency thing going on with your engine. I think the 1300 number at 43 pounds of boost with no ice is better than we've seen before, but I don't know that it's quite where it needs to be. I think yeah. there's I, I think there's still more there that we're missing. It's it's better, but you know when you run ice, number one, the tur the the air is denser going into the that's hitting the turbo, and the turbos will spool up quite a bit earlier with that really cold air. Is he spraying and, meth during those dyno runs? No well, meth either. The computer oh, thought he was because the meth the methanol duty was in the photo, and it was that I saw anyway, and it was, it was a non-zero number. Yeah. But is my, I don't, think, meth it was, I don't in, think it was actually spraying meth, but I think the computer thought that it was no, but I want to say that when we pulled the meth off, like is the meth just my intercooler pump being on or off? Could be. I almost want to say, I remember somebody saying that that's how they, when, when Trey and Wayne set up my intercooler pump to turn on, they did it on the meth parameter. So here we have a photo. I have a photo of, uh, that dyno pull, Taylor, thirteen oh two at sixty five hundred RPMs. Yeah, and and I I know why there's the dip there at at the end is because the uh, the the boost control on Taylor's car is really really sensitive, like one percent of duty cycle on the on the out on the uh, wastegate control is significant, and it did a little wibble wobble there. That's that's something else. It it's it's that four port. Yeah, I was gonna say the four port. We're all seemingly running into this problem, but you know, trying to get up into the fifty psi range of of getting uh you know boost control working right because we all want to be able to run lower you know boost as well just to tootle. I don't know why we care about tootle around town boost, but we seem to. Well, uh, you know, I, I I'm not I'm not saying thirteen hundred's not not good. I don't think I've ever been able to take advantage of the power my car makes all the way because I've always had some uh, some other issue going on, right? Like we had an issue where, where where I wasn't spraying meth. So my intake temps got up to like 220, 230 and the Cyvex started pulling timing. So that was one issue I had. The other issue was I was having to manually shift the transmission and we were throwing it in a limp mode, which was kind of dumb. Uh, then, then when I think, we finally got it auto shifting, it was shifting almost a thousand RPM too early. And then there was the whole, um, you know, boost leak issue where I lost that turbo. Yeah. Well, you're getting, you, you're confusing, you know, not using all your power throughout the entire run. You're just, you're just not sorted yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, even a sorted car like mine was for a while. Um, I, I couldn't put all the power down at all until the middle of fourth really you know you just won't i mean i can't in in rear wheel drive i can't put it down i mean I, we're on waste skates through second gear what's that 19 psi right so mm. i'm not even they 
Wayne's not even giving me the beans until middle of fourth, which is one one sixty. Yeah, which which would be nice for me too, because I know we took a lot of boost out down low because of that whole first gear issue where I wasn't even I mean, I was half throttle, you know, 50, 60 percent throttle through first gear, mm-hmm. shift it real early just so the transmission could make the shift and then just, you know, start finally taking off at, in third. So it, it'll be interesting to see if if uh, what what kind of trap speed we can improve just correcting some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the difference between, I mean, look, 165 for me is right at the one quarter mark. So if, if I can't, you know, I, I'd like to run on a prep track, right? And when you say me, quarter mark, you mean quarter mile, which is quarter mile mark. Half yeah. The, mile. Qu- the quarter mile mark halfway down the run at shift sector. And I'm not even full power yet. What I'd like to do is be able to put that power down early, but yeah. you know, the, the air airports aren't prepped. Well, so. we just need to put some, some tire under you, Todd. Yeah, but you know me, and I don't want those big old, I don't mean, who big old balloon Hoosiers. I don't want that. I mean, yeah. I guess maybe if I want to go faster, I might have to throw some on. I mean, go look at one of Antonio Calvo's cars. He can make it look good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they I are the best form of transportation, after all. I mean, right. Yeah. Superior form of transportation. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this week's episode. I guess next week, hopefully we get some more information on Dan's car, Todd's car, and we'll be three weeks out from uh, from Hondo and TX2K. So we'll see you next week.